welcome everybody to the Father, the Daughter, and the Holy Podcast. Join my father, Rabbi Avi Harwitz, and myself, Ayelet, in our Bible-inspired conversation based on the weekly Torah portion. Our hope is to glean timeless Torah values to help us navigate the confusing world we live in today, as well as give us something to think about. This podcast is relevant for everybody and anybody, no matter your religious background. So with no further ado, let's get talking, let's get thinking, and let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Father, The Daughter, and The Holy Podcast. Woo! This week, we are going to be talking about a really prevalent theme in this week's Torah reading, and that would be the topic of hatred. We have these two brothers, and one of them wants to kill the other one, and the other one doesn't want to die, and he's trying to appease him, and what is going on? So let's talk about hatred. Right. Let's talk about hatred. I want to focus on a particular point where um, the, the crescendo of the whole story, it's very, very dramatic, and... Jacob is doing whatever he can in order to avoid his brother's wrath. It's been over 20 years, but still um, he hears reports that uh, his anger and his hatred has not ebbed. And he's got a whole army and he's facing the possibility of getting having his whole family wiped out. So you can imagine how scary that is. And he tries to do all kinds of things to... Work things out. Sends he sends some gifts to his brother. Uh, he sends messengers. He tries to do some other pacifying uh, measures, and it doesn't seem to be working. And um, we're just going to jump to the bottom end of that story, where they finally face off. You know, his brother Asab is there with four hundred men. And Jacob has his family in different places. When he sees, it looks like it's going to be like, uh, you can imagine one of those medieval movies, you know, where there's like, uh, you know, a face-off of the clans and they and there's like a, people facing each other and looking at each other with total uh, suspicion and uh, not knowing what's going to happen. There's a lot of tension. And out of that whole thing... <laughs> Yaakov just bursts forward and really um, submits himself to um, to to his fate, and he takes on a very humble uh, position towards his brother. He bows down many times in front of his brother, and finally, when he gets up in front of him, his brother gives him a huge hug, and they hug each other. And the um, then, like, you could hear the sigh from the audience, you know, like, oh, wow, okay, good. This isn't going to end in violence, right? And it's look like, it looks like those great moments in, you know, in those stories where it's just like, okay, somehow something worked. Somebody got reconciled. Um, and I guess the movie's over, you know. Let's just wait till they all go home and then this story's over and we can move on. It doesn't seem so simple because there's a conversation there, which you can see the differences between the brothers and what what they think about. 
Um, but also, Yaakov is very reticent to hang with his brother. I mean, his brother offers him all kinds of, um, some, some let's say, incentives or invitations to like, you know, let's chill together, let's travel together, our clans will be together. And Yaakov's like, Road you know, trip. yeah, Yaakov's <laughs> like, uh, no, I don't think so. You know, it's it's just not going to work out. And without getting into that, I just want to back up a little bit and with, keeping that in mind, if like if if things are like really hunky dory, why was Yaakov, you know, so reticent to hang out with his brother? How come he understood that he needed to take a different path? So there's there, there's one um, very poignant statement made by the rabbis that I want to focus on, and it's about the moment in time where the the two brothers embrace. We mentioned, you know, that's that like high tension, and then all of a sudden, you know, we're not sure what could happen. Could it be? Could there be violence? And then it turns out to be the exact opposite. You know, two brothers embracing instead of fighting. What is behind that embrace? That was something that was really intriguing to the to the rabbis. If you look in a traditional Bible in a, in a traditional Torah scroll, you'll see one of the fifteen times that in the Bible has mysterious dots on top of a word. And the tradition of the Bible is very, very old, thousands of years, and they've been writing Bibles and Torah scrolls the same way for thousands of years. And in every Torah scroll that you will open, you'll see in the scroll um, dots on in 15 places in the Bible. I'm talking about the entire Bible. And one of those places is this word, Vayichabkehu, uh, Vayishakehu, right, that... Um, that they embrace. And there's these dots on it. So the, the dots are normally there to say that the word itself needs to be analyzed. It doesn't really mean what it says. That's generally speaking what those dots are trying to say. So the rabbis have like a aha moment, and they have this, looking at these dots, they have this an invitation to re-examine what's really going on here. So there's two, in the, in the typical commentaries, the classic commentaries, there's two positions brought from the rabbis. One position of the rabbis was, it, it's, it's really to tell you what kind of we, the, the dots indicate, that it wasn't a wholehearted hug. You know, hatred does, doesn't disappear from one second to another. And, and that has its own lesson. What I'd like to focus on is on the second part, primarily, which is this, the position of Shimon Bar Yochai, a person who himself suffered greatly under the boot of the Roman Empire, he was um, a renegade for many, many years of his life, and the threat of death. And um, he was a wanted criminal just for doing nothing except for spreading the religion, for spreading the teachings of Torah. So, you know, perhaps that's a, a backdrop for understanding what he says. But he says like this. He says, Halachahi, or in some versions it's Yadua, it's, it's known in Hebrew, it's known that Esav hates Yaakov. It's known. It's halacha. It's halacha has a very stronger connotation. It's like it's a way of life. It's you need to understand that this hatred exists. But at that moment, the brother Esau was able to muster up this uh, crazy attraction to his brother that he was allowed to. He actually hugged him with all of his heart at that moment. Period. That's the statement of Roshim Bayochai. Now, what does that teach? Right. So it seems that that's, that teaches us that um, 
not just what the first position said that you know people don't change you know if there's real hatred it's it doesn't change but it's 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 more than that um it's that if there's a if there's a real hatred that hatred is not only pre-existent but it's always going to be there unless somebody does something drastic about it even still and this is the double entendre Shimon Yuchai is teaching us that people who hate each other deeply can still have these like moments of like these epiphanies where they seem to give the impression that like everything's you know hunky dory. Don't be fooled by that, because if this root of the hatred has not been eliminated, then it's just a question of time until it resurfaces. That's so interesting. Great. It's really interesting, and it actually taps into a coaching, not not even necessarily just specifically coaching, but this concept of... Uh, I'm talking like a coach. Of having dual emotions, this, uh, this understanding, which is, it's not exactly what you're saying, but it's an interesting point that someone who hates another person can still have, can still at the same time, while still hating you, also have appreciation, mm. or also feel gratitude, or also feel brotherly love. Um, and the existence of one doesn't automatically eliminate the other. We we are capable of having more than one emotion at the same time, even though sometimes they're they're very much opposite emotions. Cool. So that's that's a cool thought here that links in really well. And then in terms of uh, so wait, let me just stop you on there for a second. Um, that's you're saying that that's what Rabbi Shimon Yochai is trying to say. In other words. Um, hatred doesn't necessarily doesn't necessarily color the entire complexion of the person that you hate. There still could be, at least in certain moments, an appreciation for what that person is. But your general attitude and your general behavior towards that person will be that of hatred. And you might even be willing to do something about that hatred and be violent or whatever it is. But there's that's there's still something that can exist within that person that, that allows the person to understand and to appreciate that the other um, and understand that that person is not really so worthy of his hatred. I don't know if it's a worthiness question of someone is worth your anger. I'm saying that's a really high level to be in, in terms well, of yeah, awareness. Yeah. But um, definitely, definitely I, I imagine anger is as a very strong emotion to just be something that kind of blinds and, and falls over and there's just very overwhelming feelings. But there are, while you still have that basis, like you're saying, the root, there are still moments where you kind of get unblinded and you see something and you're like, oh, right, he's my brother. And then, like you said, because the root though wasn't eliminated, you just fall back onto that same anger. You're like, oh, yeah, but he's like super annoying and he took my blessing and whatever. Right. So I hated guts. So, so it's a – so – those moments where the person like sees a light or something or is able somehow to focus, you know, on the part that's, you know, redeemable in his own eyes, of his, in this case of his brother, he's really able to focus so much that he's able to actually give him a hug, like with all of his might, because probably deep down, we really don't want to hate each other. And I would say that that's what it has to do. Because, and that's why I want to like try to see if we can unpack a little bit uh, the elements of hatred. Let's see if we can get a deeper understanding about what we're talking about here as well. I mean, hatred really stinks. It we, does. Yeah. <laughs> if, if a person, even if a person hates something, it's also really not good. There's, there's usually fant fantasies. You know, you, you 
hate a dog or you hate, uh, you know, uh, your job. Those, those aren't, those are kind of distractions of real hate. I mean, it's hard to really hate a thing, but it doesn't have, but it doesn't have the same impact as hating a thing as versus hating a person. That's what I'm saying. As hating a person has the full uh, expression of what hatred is. Whereas if your person hates something, he just hates his decisions that he made that got him in that place or that, you know, or, or perhaps mm. gets him to cross paths or something. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, but I, would, I don't want to open, unpack everything here, because, but let's just assume we're talking about hatred of man, right? You know, of fellow men, of women, etc. So, you know, it's a venom. It eats you alive. Any any psychology book you'll read will tell you that it's it will eat you up inside. You know, hatred will eat you up inside. It's a very, very negative feeling. Um, it's a very strong feeling. It, it overcomes you. It's colors everything that you do you're almost like you become unifocused if you hate something it takes you over it takes over your life and it darkens your days um and ultimately and that's why i think this is such an important issue to talk about it could lead to some horrible things and what we see in the world now more and more is a certain latent violence that's born out of hatred um from people that don't even know each other <laughs> Just for what you might stand for, because you're on a particular uh, venue, you know, you you're hanging, you know, in, in in the cyber world, you're hanging with left, or you're hanging with the right, or you are pro this uh, candidate or not pro this. Like any statement is doesn't just go by untouched. You know, people have all of a sudden very strong opinions. You know, whether or not you fit into my scheme of those people that I could actually get along with. And if you're not, then I'm, you know, there's a chance I'm not, you might just have to hate you. There's like a huge for, for or against dynamic. Right. Very polarized. Right. Very polarized society. And, it, and it's, it's not being helped um, by, you know, the, the massive exposure that people have to each other. You know, you'd think like all the great communication that we're, that's available to us would actually bring people together. And I'm sure to a great extent it is, but there's also this, you know, ugly side to it that um, people are, are, are expressing um, very violent words very easily um, without thinking too much um, against each other. Unfortunately, we see, you know, the end all of that is that where it actually breeds violence. So this is a very important issue that we need to talk about. So when we unpack hatred, we have to ask ourselves, like, first of all, what, what are similar type feelings like hatred? Like, what other words would you think of when you think of, or feelings when you think of uh, hatred? What about anger? What about jealousy, for example? Actually, it's funny. I'm thinking about passion as well. When you said another word for hatred, something similar, passion popped into mind, is that same overwhelmingly strong zoning in on something very specific that kind of blocks everything else out. Okay, but passion is neutral. It could be neutral, but... No, it is neutral. It, yes, you're right. It is no, neutral. You can be passionate about whatever it is you're passionate about. It depends on what you're passionate about. You're talking about inherent, inherently negative feelings? Yeah, like... um. Those feelings are really neutral as well. They're all neutral. They're just feelings. <laughs> I'm not sure what you mean by that. I mean, hatred. 
Are you going to say if a person hates someone else, it's neutral? What does that mean? It's neutral. I mean, I think you're using a technical term when you say neutral. What I mean by neutral it is It just that is. Well, the consequences that come out of that then will be termed or coined negative or positive. Well, what I'm saying is that, let's just say like this. Hatred, I'm terming as something negative because it can bring up, at least it can bring about to um, very um, uh, undesirable outcomes. It can, it can lead to very negative outcomes. In other words, assuming the person's feelings are neutral, but hatred can lead to a person making a person, another person feel bad. It could lead to a person becoming physically violent against somebody else. It's a, it's, it's, if it goes unchecked, if hatred goes unchecked, it, it could be a person hates somebody, doesn't have to hate himself for hating somebody, because like you're saying, it is a feeling. And it can go through anyone's heart at any time. But it's what you do with it afterwards. If you let it fester, so then it's more likely that it's actually going to come to fruition in some way or another. And that's what we're trying to avoid. So if that's what you meant, yeah, I definitely agree with that. So let's let's see if we can let's see if we can unpack a little bit more. Um, hatred is hatred is something that is born out of. Well, let's ask that as a question. Why does a person hate someone else? Why? I mean, peace and love, you know. Like, and after all, it it really um, poisons a person's psyche and well-being like you know that's a little bit what we were just talking about with asaph and his brother i mean there's even people that hate want to love so what's with the hate why do people hate each other hmm. I'm, re- I'm remembering some of the discussions that we've had in the past and just recalling also on some of some of the the understanding that i have but it, to me Hate seems to be a, an actual consequence of other feelings. It's not a necessarily a, uh, I don't know. I'm having a hard time coining hatred as a, as it's as a as a being of itself. Meaning, I believe that when people are fearful and scared, um, there are other things first that are then translated into an overall feeling of hatred. But I don't think that hatred is a is a first response. Right. I feel like I agree hatred is, is a developed I agree. Um, concoction of emotion. I, I that agree. That stems from other things. And I, I want to work with that because uh, that's that's my understanding as well. I, I understand that um, people don't naturally hate each other. That's that's what we're saying. It's, let's if you imagine brothers, right? I remember. I must uh, confess that. I had hatred in my heart with my brothers. <laughs> now, the reason why I did is not so important right now, but I think the context of brothers hating each other is a little bit to do with some a podcast we talked about a few weeks ago, which has to do with favoritism, which is that um, whenever we feel threatened, we have this feeling of, of being threatened, then we allow fear to get into our hearts. Fear in the case, like we were referring to a few weeks ago, like maybe I'm going to get shortchanged or there's maybe, or maybe I'm going to suffer because, because there's not enough of whatever it is. There's not enough love to go around. There's not enough stuff, goodness to go around or we were talking about. 
And if I feel threatened, and especially if I feel shortchanged and I feel like cheated, then I'm going to get angry. And if I don't check, if I don't uh, bring that anger into check, I'm going to start hating. Right. So it really is something that's born out of fear. Um, if if I let the fear and the feeling of being threatened fester, then hatred is just around the corner. And it, you know, when we have fears, if we don't allay our fears, so then um, it's like what we're finding over here in this case. I think this is you know this is what we're finding in, this, in the story of Esav and Yaakov. I think that what the rabbis were trying to tell us is that. People can get inspired to kind of get back to themselves and love because that's really where they are. That's really where they feel, feel, feel connected. When people hate, they feel disconnected, right? Ultimately, in life, we're either connecting or disconnecting. So you're hating something, you're totally disconnecting. And it's not good. It's not fun. It's miserable. It's lonely. It's dark. So there's those moments that can break through. But the major problem is is to deal with those fears that created the hate to begin with. So if those fears are not, you know, really dealt with and looked on, looked at head on, then they're going to come back. And, you know, we said we were going to call this podcast Hatred and Anti-Semitism. I think anti-Semitism is one of those things in the world that has become, in my own personal view, it's become one of those... Uh, words that's used a little bit too freely. Because it's used too freely, I'm not saying that people that suffer anti-Semitism shouldn't use it, but I'm just saying that, unfortunately, it's been thrown around so much that people have lost the appreciation for what it is. And ultimately, what it is, is one of the world's oldest hatreds. And this hatred is actually borne out in some of the readings that we're talking about. And the, the two brothers... It comes from family feuds that were never, you know, reconciled, were never worked on. So Esav has this fear that Yaakov is a usurper. And you can look in Talmudic sources and you see that this fear is like ingrained in him and his children. That there's this brother who lives somewhere else who's like he's really capable and he kind of, you know, shortchanged me out of my uh, firstborn we kind of made up for a little bit, but like you got to watch out for him because there's this prophecy. Like if he's up, then I'm down, and if I'm up and he's down, it's like mutually exclusive our existence. It's either me or him, and unfortunately, that fear runs through the major religions as well. Um, the monotheistic religions. The reason why we've seen so much violence that was very much promoted by our brother monotheists is the, this idea that it's either me or you. It's either Judaism is the, is, the, is the thing, or it's us. We can't be both of us. So if it can't be both of us, then there's, there's this fear. That's like, oh, we, we have to stamp them out because, because if they flourish, then that's it. We're gone. There's never been a reverse anti-Semitism, really. I mean, people will, historians will point to certain minor episodes in certain places, but as a, as a rule of thumb, you know, anti-Semitism is the is the, those that were victims of this fear, and the, that's the thing that's so crazy about it. Because a lot of times we look at ourselves and we say, "What in the world are people so afraid of?" I mean, we're not scary. We're not scary people. 
I mean, generally speaking, we're not scary. We've never been on the aggressive side of history, except maybe in the times of David, King David, and, and his son Solomon. But when they were conquering land in, in Israel thousands of years ago, right? You know, when we were taking over the land of Israel. But like now is the first time since almost then, I guess we could say, where all of a sudden Israel and the Jews become like this dominant power, dominant in the sense, you know, amongst our neighbors anyway. I mean, we're not dominant, but it, I don't know, I guess in certain in certain ways, when you look at Israel in certain ways, we are a pretty impressive country, you know, for being so small. And that has created this wave of anti-Semitism again, because it's like, see, I told you, you know, it's here they come again. These Jews, you know, they're, you got to be afraid of them. They just, you know, we, the threat of the Jew and his country is just, you know, way, uh, it's too scary. It's very, it's, there's too much fear. And when there's, when there's too much fear, then there becomes hatred. And, and I'm saying it's like one of those so ironic feelings that I feel, I don't know about you, but like, I think about this a lot and I'm wondering like, yo, bro, just like, come over here, go, come take a visit in Israel. Like, we're not scary. We're not, there's nothing scary about this. I was just talking about somebody who runs a foundation called Maoz. They bring together people from all sectors of the Israeli population, leaders from Arab sectors, from from Christian sectors, from Jewish sectors, from all different uh, spectrum of the Jewish uh, experience. And, and whoever wants to, it's an open invitation. Any Any leaders of communities or organizations that want to come together and work for the common good. And they've done amazing things. And this friend of mine who happens to live in what we would call settlement, what the world would call the territory or whatever, or something over the green line, people came over there and they said, you know, I've never been across the green line, even Jews. They said, you know, I've never been across the green line before. And, like, they were expecting to see all kinds of, like, super-duper fanatics and stuff like that. And the, the, the an encounter, the personal encounter, one person looking at another, just just takes that all down so quickly. I think that's a little bit of what we're seeing in this encounter of Yaakov and Esau as well. From a distance, all kinds of fears can fester. But when people actually have to face each other and look each other in the face, I just thought uh, <laughs> that was a little redundant. But basically when people look at each other, there's like, you know. You're not that different. Yeah, you can get that feeling of like, what am I afraid of really? And I think that's been one of the greatest efforts that we can uh, do is to just meet face to face. Panim el panim, as we say in Hebrew, you know, get people to come here, get people to face their fears. That's ultimately what we say. I'll talk about something stupid here, which is like, I mean, trivial. You know, can a person say he hates bugs? I hate tarantulas. I don't know. Can I say that? I mean, it's, we already said we're talking about human. But I've always said this thing, like, they're, they're like, you see like this huge bug on the floor and you're like, you feel threatened by it, even though it's so strange. But that's the ridiculousness of the, of the fear that we can feel as human beings too. Should I really be feel, feel mortally threatened by a spider? Then I can step on it. You know what I'm saying? It's not, it's not, <laughs> it's not really a thing. And, and you remember if we, when we were in the country in Chile, somebody took one of those, they're like tarantulas, they're like pollitos. Yeah, they put it on the hand. They put it on my hand, I just like, okay, I got to do this. I let it, I put it on my hand, let it crawl all the way to my shoulder and just let it, felt its fur on my neck and stuff. 
Bollitos are like these massive tarantula-like spiders. Right. Very fuzzy and huge, and they have these things that really do look like they could bite you. Sure, they do bite something. <laughs> but, <laughs> but in any case, it, those facing fears are so important. You know, it, it, can't, it can't be minimized, its importance. And I think in the human sphere, it's just so, it's so great when we find organizations that are working in, that, in those directions. God willing, we'll see it more and more in the world of uh, people coming together and realizing um, that they're going to have to face their fears. And in the case of, like I said, in the case of Jacob and Asaph, there was that moment where they were able to embrace, where they realized that their fears were unfounded. I don't know how long it took after that. We were not privileged to understanding why, but it seems that it really wasn't conquered at that point because the, the the embers of that hatred eventually were kindled again in generations to come, and Asav's uh, descendants uh, became uh, great, great enemies and haters of the Jewish people. It's what you said, though, about this. I want to go back, though, to that uh, face-to-face um, meeting. Brene Brown, who does really great work, um, has this book called Braving the Wilderness, which I definitely recommend everybody here read. Um, and she describes exactly what you were saying um, about how easy it is to hate the other because of this understanding that it's either it's either me or or you. It's either this or that. You're either a liberal or a Democrat. Or a, pro- a Republican. Or there you go. That's how little about politics <laughs> I know. Um, but basically, you're either this or that, and, and that is automatically so threatening, and we, we, that fear creates this need to just write everybody off so that we can stay in our safe little bubbles of, of like, sameness and me and what's familiar. Um, and Sounds like you're describing what's going on today. Yeah, and we automatically write off other people, and we say, yeah, they, like, those other people, I, I hate those other people, and I hate in this and that, and and she in, really encourages you as the reader, and and you know, what my father's saying now as well is to take it more than just the other person and to think about the people who you know who are different than you. Like, you hate Republicans except for your neighbor who's actually a really nice person. So, like, not him, but everybody else. But then the more you the more you know people and the more you encounter people and the more you come face-to-face with people who are really just like you with different opinions... Um, the more we can we can let go of that fear of otherness and that fear of of whatever it is. I'm saying we all have so many different fears, but ultimately um, the the encounter with um, and reckoning that the differences are not as huge and threatening as we make them out to be. And a lot of it starts with us. Yes. It's about feeling abundance and goodness instead of feeling. Lacking. Lacking and what we're missing all the time and what we don't have and what we would love to have if only, but that just reminds me that you're telling me there's this, there's this anecdote from a Nazi who was, uh, somebody was asking him like why he, he hates the Jews. So he says, hate Jews. I don't, I don't hate Jews. Some of my best friends are Jews. My, my neighbor, he's a wonderful doctor. I have a, uh, personal uh, a banker who works for me, you know, I know very well. They're Jews. I, they're great people. I just, I just hate the Jews. <laughs> right. 
and that happens all the time. You know what I'm saying? We, you know, just the hate, the, the hating of the idea. You know, it's like a, a lot of times people split the Jewish people all the time. There's like, you know, you, there's the, you know, a big a person who looks Hasidic. You know, will get on and they'll and they'll say, oh, well, I hate, you know, that person really ticks me off and I hate that. And and then they'll look at the Jews sitting next to them and say, oh, you know, you're not like him. And they don't realize that you're talking about two brothers who just look different, who <laughs> who can feel pretty uh, upset that you're like getting almost violent, uh, you know, on, on, a, on one of his family. You know, I remember being in South America also, like, you know, they thought Israelitas were like people live in Israel. And then there were Jews. <laughs> There were Jews and then there were Israelitas. Like there's everyone has like a different thing. And the bottom line is, is because they don't know. They don't people you know, we don't we need to face our insecurities and face our fears. And again, we're just using anti Semitism as one example of those many hatreds. There's a lot of hatreds in the world of the other. And the point of this podcast was to push us in the direction of facing the fears, knowing that fear brings to hatred. And hatred is a really stinky thing to have in your heart. It really <laughs> takes you down. So that, so yeah, thanks for this. Um, you can call it a wake up call saying let's, let's all take this opportunity to really understand what in our lives scares us. What, what are we fearful of and what are the consequences of that fear, whether it's about taking jobs or going to school or an idea, political stances, what you think about what other people do, like, What's the fear there? And I, I want to, you just said something that I found was really important. Um, a lot of people, as we know, have really big opinions that are really violent against things that they don't really know much about. So the question is, how do you, how could you hate something you don't know about? So I think it would be important to really to outline that there's a lot of different fears. And for all of you curious people, you can definitely look out. There's like five primary fears and they're all different. But one of them is fear of the unknown. And I think that's an important one to bring out here because we're talking about people who have um, no information, no facts about the things or the ideas that they're hating, but there is a lot of hate there. And I think that one of the possible explanations for that is this, this fear of the unknown. For sure. I don't know it, so I fear it, and I fear it, and therefore I hate it because it's a threat. What I don't know could, could hurt me. For sure. I, I think that's the underlying fear of all fears. And then there are particular fears, but you, you generally speaking, um, you, you're not going to fear. You're not going to. You're not going to fear what you know as uh, nearly as much, of course, as what you don't know. There is a justified fear, but that's for a different podcast, perhaps. There, is, like we say in the Psalms, we say, "Oh, the Hashem sinura." Like those that love God hate evil. So there is a hatred. That um, even in our tradition, we would hold it to be true, uh, a good, a tr you know, a truly good feeling. Good. <laughs> it's not a good feeling, but we don't feel that that's a venom that's going to destroy you. And that's an interesting point. Why is that? Which is when why I was saying evil. that it's neutral, because hatred could be used both ways. Yeah, because everybody says, well, I'm just hating evil. But you can tell what it does to you. And, and truth of the matter is, when we talk about it, like in the Psalms, when we talk about hating evil, we're not talking about poisoning yourself we're talking about distancing yourself from that which you think is evil recognizing so, what it does to you to others and right and seeing it and moving away like almost treating it as like radioactive you're not gonna let it get into your heart and poison yourself but you're going to when it comes up you're going to know exactly what it is and you're going to stay very far away from it 
that's the, the ultimate expression, you know, the good positive expression of the hatred of evil. But that's, I think we can maybe unpack that some other time. Well, this is great. So leaves everybody else here with, uh, like we said, a question of what are the things in your life that you're fearful of? And if you can pinpoint if that fear is producing hatred. Yeah. Exactly. What What are the things? And Or you can start the other way around. You could always say, well, what are the things that I hate? What am I afraid of? And then when you go there, well, you know, why? What am I afraid of in this situation or about this person, about this idea? And this is a really great opportunity for everybody to get real real deep and intimate with yourselves, <laughs> um, which is always wonderful. Definitely do that. Go there. And with that, we would love to wish you all a wonderful Shabbat, a great weekend, and... Hasta la vista. Hasta la vista, baby.